The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather girdle around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit that befits repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we continue through this time of Advent, we now have the figure of St. John the Baptist who appears on the scene, the greatest of all the prophets, as the Lord calls him. This prophet who is given the great grace, not of speaking or of prophetically announcing a Christ who is to come, but a prophet who announces the Christ who has come. He is the one who is the culmination of all the prophets because he is given the gift of pointing out Christ where he is present. He points to the very presence of Jesus Christ. And so it says, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, out in the desert. And so this is important as well because he is that voice that prepares the way of the Lord. He is preparing for the coming of Christ. And so even the environment that he is in prepares the way for Christ. It is an environment that is stripped of everything, an environment that is stripped down to the basics. And so you can see that the way he lives and the place where he lives is kind of this stripped down environment to focus on what is essential, to focus on what is more important. And so in the season of Advent, we take up that spirit of St. John the Baptist, where we try to strip ourselves of everything else that is not important as we await the coming Messiah but he is also the Messiah who is with us and who is present to us even now. 
St. John the Baptist, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word in the Greek there for repent, it means have a complete change of the way in which you think. That our entire thinking must be transformed according to God's way of thinking. It means turning our mind towards seeing how God sees, as we saw yesterday, loving as he loves, so that the things of God become co-natural to us. And so repentance is more than simply this turning away from sin. It is also seeking perfection, seeking virtue, living a life of virtue. Well, the way in which we have to think is not that we become secure in a kind of self-righteous confidence that we see in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Our way of thinking must be conformed to God's, which shows that every action of ours, every thought, is either leading us closer towards God or further away from Him. When we enter into a Christian life, everything becomes important and meaningful, even the smallest things, even the things that might appear to be insignificant. Everything takes on huge significance. Everything that we do is either perfecting ourselves and as we become saint-like, or it is distorting our interior, and we are less like God, less like the saints as we should be. And so this repentance, this metanoia that John the Baptist is calling for is a complete changing of thinking, a complete changing of heart so that we might enter into the kingdom of God and live as citizens of that kingdom where everything matters and everything should be considered and is significant. He is also the voice, right? The voice. The voice is something that is at the service of the word. I could not communicate words to you if I didn't have the voice. And so the voice is this being as in John the Baptist who has completely dedicated himself to the Word of God, literally, the Word himself. That is the reason for his existence. And so he gives us an example of life that is stripped of the things of this earth but is focused on the gift that comes down from heaven, which is the beloved of the Heavenly Father, the Word himself. And he cries out in the wilderness. This is also important as well, is because when we want to hear God, we have to dispose ourselves to hear him. In the busyness of the city, he would not have been heard. The prophet is not as well received in the city. And so the prophet goes into the wilderness where his voice can be heard more clearly. And so also in our prayer, what we seek to do is create in ourselves a type of a wilderness a heart that is detached from everything else but is fixed on God, a mind that is quieted down from distraction so that it can hear God speak clearly. And so we enter into, when we pray, this type of wilderness that we seek to create for ourselves in even the very interior rooms of our hearts where we pray to God. When the Lord speaks of prayer in terms of the interior chamber, he says, go in and lock the door. Again, cut off all of the other distractions, cut off the things that are exterior, that are not important, so that God might be more clearly heard. But God in his mercy, the God who hides himself, becomes incarnate. He comes to bring us knowledge of himself in the incarnation, a knowledge which, as we see in the first reading for today, covers the earth like an ocean, like the waters cover the sea, right? And so this knowledge that comes from Christ is how we are able to change our mind and our thinking. 
this knowledge and this love that and grace that comes from Christ is how we are able to have our hearts transformed so that we might have this true repentance or this metanoia. It goes on then to say what John the Baptist wore. He wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather girdle around his waist. And then it goes on to what he ate. He ate food of locusts and wild honey. We can see that as he is in the desert, he simply relies on the providence of what God supplies in that place. He doesn't seek anything else. In his reliance on God's providence, you can see that his mind is fixed on the kingdom of heaven, and as to earthly things, he simply uses what is at hand. His clothing is the proper clothing of a desert dweller. His food is also the proper food of a desert dweller. But it shows that he doesn't give much consideration to this. His consideration is upon the word. This God who is incarnate, the one who is greater than he is, whose sandal he is not even fit to untie. And so John the Baptist is in the wilderness, and it says all of Judea is coming to him. It basically, they empty Jerusalem, and they come out to see this prophet who is in, in the wilderness. And you have a great mystery there, because they are leaving Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, where the temple of God is, and where the presence of God is amongst his people. But that presence of God has been superseded in Jesus Christ, who is now the new temple. Brick and stone has been replaced by flesh. And so the Lord is incarnate, and he is in their midst, and yet he is not recognized. And so this is where the mission of John the Baptist takes over. What happens is that Jerusalem is replaced by Jesus Christ through the mediation of St. John the Baptist. The true temple is pointed out by this wonderful prophet. Words that we still use at the Mass. Behold the Lamb of God when we elevate Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, the God who is present to us and yet still hides himself. And so this great mystery of St. John the Baptist is a mission that we are all called to. We are all called to give witness to the Christ who is present in our midst present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Blessed Sacrament. And so St. John the Baptist, you can see, he cries out with this repentance, but also is that this repentance is important for encountering Christ where he is present. We must first be forgiven for our sins before we receive the Lord in Holy Communion so that there is a true communion of life with him, so that when he enters into our hearts that have been again, purified through the sacraments, most especially the sacrament of confession, then what happens is he finds in our heart his life, his grace, his love, and there is a communion of life and grace and love. And so St. John the Baptist warns the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they have become self-righteous and comfortable. They think themselves to be free from sin. And he tells them that they need to bear fruit that is worthy of repentance, worthy of repentance. And what is the fruit that is worthy of repentance? I read a commentary last night from Erasmo Levamericacus. He's an American commentator and, and religious. And he says it very beautifully, but to paraphrase what he says, he says, the fruit that the Lord is looking for, that St. John the Baptist is asking from the scribes and the Pharisees, he says that the fruit is a fruit which grows in the moisture of a crushed heart. 
and it is irrigated by the tears that come from the melting glacier of a proud mind. I think that's just so beautifully articulated in that line, that what the Lord wants is a mind that humbles itself, and that manifests that humility and repentance of over sin by tears that then cause fruit to grow within us. And so these tears of repentance and contrition, that is what prepares us to receive the Savior. Because when we acknowledge that we are sinful, and when we experience sorrow for what separates us from God, well then when God presents the remedy to us, which is Christ his Son, we welcome him because he is the remedy that we need. We love Christ because he is the one that we want. And so these tears have great value in the eyes of the Lord. Leon Blois, just to close, he is also that French writer who is sometimes quoted. He says that when we die, all that we take with us to heaven are either the tears that we have wept or the tears that we have caused others to weep. The one will be our capital of eternal life, the other will be our capital of suffering. And so what happens is, is that we are judged by these tears. He says, because as we see in the book of Genesis, the Spirit of God always hovers over the waters. A profound insight, but also important for us in this life, that we pray for the gift of true contrition, true contrition for our sins, not for the purpose that we eventually despair because we see our sinfulness, because it causes us then to look towards the remedy which is Christ and love him all the more, because the medicine that God gives us in his Son is what we need. And that is what we receive here when we come to the liturgy, the God who is hidden to us, but is the remedy of our souls. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Amen.